Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, there's an eerie similarity between an NFL contender and a BCS national champion from 20 years ago. And we welcome in Michigan Wolverines fan and host of the Die Hard Den podcast, Kurt Steele, to get his perspective on Jim Harbaugh and ask, what's up with your team? You're behind the mic with Mike O'Neill Jr. course that's my daughter Micaiah who you just heard there and I have to say this yesterday she called me asking when I was coming home and basically at the end of the conversation she wanted to know when I was coming home because she wanted gas station wings gas station wings ah I mean I know there's some good gas station food out there but then there's some that you should just leave alone but hey look They like those quick sack wings that's up on the corner, around the corner from where I live. Welcome in. It's the Behind the Mic podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. 1997. Okay, I've been a UT fan, so let's get this out there. We don't talk about UT football a whole lot, and that's the team that I'm a fan of in college. They have been my first team and my only college team, and it all started with the Vols football. Love the colors, and I loved watching them uh, throughout my young years, and now, not so much. Anyway, but 1997, Peyton Manning, he came back to school. He decided to come back for his senior year. January 2nd, 1998, was his final football game. The de facto national championship, which... They played against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. His final game, Tom Osborne, the coach for Nebraska, his final game after a very long run. That was the split national championship between Nebraska and the Michigan Wolverines who won the Rose Bowl that year. Um, 42-17. It's a game that I would really love to unsee. Uh, All I remember, anytime I remember that game is how Peyton Manning struggled, and I'm like, it's not supposed to be like that. And then on the other side, seeing that sweaty Amon Green run repeatedly over everybody on the Vols defense, I figured that was my last chance of a national championship because he was probably the greatest quarterback in UT history, obviously, but he was the greatest quarterback that I had seen up to that point. I mean, we had Heath Shuler before that, couldn't beat Florida, had Andy Kelly and um, guys like that, but Peyton, I thought, okay, we got one. We we got us. A, well, we got us another one. Uh, couldn't be Florida, so that was the one loss that we had that year, and we went out um, really bad. And the quarterback that came in later on that game because Peyton didn't finish that football game. T. Martin. T. needs a street named after him, by the way, if he doesn't already. I should know this. I don't. Sorry. Uh, T. Martin, 1998, had no expectations at all for this team. They went 13-0 and beat Florida State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. 23-16. I'll never forget that night. Um, We were at my best friend's house uh, at the time, um, Howard. Lil Howard, we was at his parents' house watching that game. There was only one guy in there, Marvin Haywood, that was actually rooting 
for Florida State. Uh, there was no chance. There was no chance. <laughs> but my thought process was this. After that season, shoot, during that season, boy, we lucked out a lot. There were so many games during that year where things just fell in place. And we won those games. I'll take it. But I just began to think about the sports teams that I follow, this being the prime one that actually won it all, um, the one team that I, I root for the most, and they won it all that year. Well, if you don't remember anything about that season or don't know about it, well, I'm going to take you on a tour through the schedule really quickly. First game, y'all remember Donovan McNabb? He was torching us in that first game he played for Syracuse. We won it 34-33. We kicked the field goal at the end of that game, and that was helped by a pass interference penalty that extended a drive. I'll take it. It had been five years since we beat Florida. We welcomed them into Knoxville, went in 17 all at, uh, at the end of regulation. Jeff Hall, he makes his field goal to make it 2017. Florida on third down, they can't pick up. A, um, well, he threw a pass to the end zone. Look, Spurrier was going back and forth between, um, who was it, uh, Palmer, Jesse Palmer and Doug Johnson, and they couldn't complete a pass really that night to really save their lives. They missed their field goal celebration. Matter of fact, I missed that game. I was at work. I worked at Pizza Hut in high school and uh, a little bit after high school as well. So around that time during the game that Saturday, I was rushing home. I could not get off. They would not let me off for that game. And the one game I had to watch just pissed off every year the one game that we won at that time, I rushed into the house. I knocked everybody out the way going into my father's room because he had the cable television in, in his room at that, that night to see, see him miss that field goal and everybody go running around. I'm like, oh, my God, we finally won. I'll take it. Beat up in Houston. Uh, we won against Auburn even though we scored all of our points in the first quarter. Uh, Georgia, Bama. South Carolina, UAB, and then the Arkansas's game. Arkansas, Clint Storner, um, he was pushed, uh, a, a lineman, his lineman. All they had to do, they were up. I think it was 24-21. They were up. They go to pass, and a line, he trips over his lineman, Brandon Bullworth. There's a story about that kid. Uh, he's the one who wore the big uh, black glasses, and he was killed in a car accident. But he tripped over Bullworth. And the ball in which he had in his hand, he tried to use the hand that he had the ball to brace himself from falling. And he left the ball on the grass and didn't pick it up. We recovered it. We ended up scoring a touchdown. I'll take it. We lucked out. We lucked out. And we ran through Kentucky as we always did. And the Vanderbilt 41 to nothing game, that was a thing of beauty. I remember going on West End and because uh, I didn't even bother to watch you know, the rest of that game. And I just drove by because I didn't have tickets. I didn't have money to get the tickets. It was a sea of orange. We took over West End. It looked like a home game for Tennessee. Mississippi State in the SEC Championship, 24-14, of course. We were down, you know, in the fourth. We had to score two fourth-quarter uh, touchdowns to win that game. I keep saying we. I'm a UT fan. Sorry. But 
They scored. We won it. And then it was the national championship against Florida State. Go in five and a half point underdogs. And we were underdogs in a couple of games that year. But there was no Chris Winkie. He had suffered a neck injury against Wake Forest. And he wasn't playing. And so insert Marcus Outson, who was the fourth string quarterback going into the spring and ended up as the backup because of injuries. And now he's the starter. <laughs> Go figure. And Winky, who actually, they, Florida State will win the national championship the next season. That's how good they were. Florida State was good back then. For those who don't know, they were great. You know, they were a great program, but um, not until Bobby Bowden's 18th year did he win that championship. Towards the end, they don't have patience like that anymore. And anyway, what's funny to me, Chris Winky, he is the current UT quarterback coach right now. University of Tennessee's quarterback coach. Boy, you're going to have to rub something off on Garantano. That Jerry Garantano, we, we have no quarterbacks right now. Anyway, I'm not going off on that tangent. And not only did Winky um, and, and company win the national championship, he won the Heisman the next season. So Marcus Allison. We're dealing with pretty much the third-string quarterback. How do we not look out? I was not worried going into that game. Now, their defense was solid. Of course, they was missing one of their two dynamic receivers. Peter Warwick was the best receiver that they had on that team. Lavernius Coles was not around. Why? Because they got the hookup. He and his then-best friend, I don't know if they've made amends, but P-Dub... And Lavernius Coles went on a shoplifting, got charged for shoplifting. They went and got the hookup for $400 worth of clothes. They only paid 21 bucks. And long story short, Coles got the boot. So I mean, they were down a couple of pretty important players. Most important was Chris Winkie. Now, it didn't help that Florida State had 12 penalties in that game. I mean, we missed a field goal. They had their opportunities to actually either tie the game at least. But we won it, and I'll take it. Winky. Um, not Winky, but Alton finished that game 9 of 22, by the way. So, I mean, I'm also a Steelers fan. We have gone on this 8-0 run, and I keep getting asked, Hey, you know, y'all the best team in the league. Uh-uh. I don't, I don't think so. Too many holes. There's too many holes. We don't dominate. Just like Tennessee didn't dominate a lot of those games, they dominated the games that they were supposed to. They were supposed to beat Houston 42-7. to They were supposed to beat South Carolina 49-14. They were supposed to beat Vandy 41-0 and Kentucky 59-21. They were supposed to win those games like that. And Bama was not Bama. At the time, we won that game 35 to 18. So the games that they were supposed to win, because look, they were 11 and one the year before with Peyton Manning. But they were down some players. And remember, Jamal Lewis went down early in the season against Auburn and he was running wild over everybody that need. He tore his ACL, I believe it was. So we were down, you know, one of our best backs and we filled in nicely because the recruiting. But we lucked out a lot of those games. Same thing has happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh has enjoyed that same luck for quite a while. But Sunday's win against the Dallas Cowboys, you know, it, it's, it's no different. The Dallas Cowboys started Garrett Gilbert. He was 21 of 38, 
243 yards. He had a touchdown and threw a pick. Um, but he they moved the ball unlike they had in a while. And keep this in mind, I think it had been about three or four games they haven't even scored a touchdown. They scored Sunday. So they did something right. He did something right. There was his first career start, his seventh team, and only six attempts in his entire career. And he joined the list of the law firm of Prescott, uh, Danucci, and uh, Andy Dalton. Prescott, Danucci, and Dalton, that they couldn't handle it. I mean, Prescott was handling it, and he was the only one handling it. But they were still losing. And look, prayers for the man's ankle. I'm praying that he gets better and that he gets back. We'll see what happens. I mean, they're 2-7 and seven now after this game. They may be drafting a quarterback. I don't know. But my whole thing is, is that now since 1978, six of 22 teams that started off 8-0 have won the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen very often. That's 27%. That doesn't happen. Not a whole lot. Matter of fact, you want to see the list? <laughs> so the Colts in 09, they started off 14-0. They lost the Super Bowl. To who? The last team to actually win that whose offense was actually, hmm, their offense and defense was, it was all right. So, because our our defense is good, but not great against the run. Our offense has struggled at times. Right now, Pittsburgh's offense, 15th overall, 16th in passing, 22nd against the run. And 2008 is the last time that Pittsburgh had won a Super Bowl, and that was against the Arizona Cardinals. And the next year, the Saints beat the team, uh, the the Indianapolis Colts, who started off 14-0. Here's the rest of the list. The Packers in 2011 started 13-0. They lost in the divisional round. The 2012 Falcons, 8-0, lost in the conference uh, playoffs. 13 Chiefs, 9-0, lost the wild card. The Cam-led 2015 Panthers started off 14-0. They lost in the Super Bowl. The 18 Rams, 8-0, they lost in the Super Bowl to who? Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then last year, both the Patriots and the 49ers started off 8-0. The Niners lost to uh, the, the Chiefs, you know, this past January. And, of course, Titans fans, they loved it, and so did I. They loved that wild card win against the Patriots. So that's that's the list. And now 2020, it doesn't look good. For Pittsburgh on paper, <laughs> but they keep finding a way to win, though. They weren't dominant in any of these games except for probably the Cleveland Browns. They beat them a couple weeks ago, 38 to 7. They put 38 up against the Philadelphia Eagles, but they gave up 29 and they stayed in the game. So it's kind of a bend, not break, even though the Pittsburgh defense is number one in interceptions with 11, they're number one in sacks with 32, but they cannot stop the run. It's been hard. It's been hard. So you have that. And if you go back over their game summaries, if you want to look at look at it in that way, the last three games, five of the eight wins, okay, they've been decided by seven points or fewer. And the last three games, you had the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Titans. And so let's look at that. The Titans, of course, they used to be, the Houston Oilers. Oilers fans will be a little bit more um, 
knowledgeable of this fact, but just thinking about the 1980 AFC Championship game. We're going back a little ways. Anybody remember Dan Pastorini? Of course you don't. He threw, a he threw a touchdown pass of what he thought to Mike Renfro. Two feet, toe tap. It was a touchdown. And they supposedly was going to tie the score at 17 heading into the fourth quarter. It was waved off as incomplete. They kicked the field goal, 17-13 going into the fourth quarter. Bum Phillips was livid. He was highly upset. They ended up losing that game 10 points later, 27-23, uh, to Pittsburgh, who went to the Super Bowl. So they caught a break. Don't know what would have happened later on in that drive. But look at this. Even in Super Bowl 14, just like the Tennessee Falls, they caught a break with the quarterback for the most part. Pat Hayden was supposed to start that game. Vince Ferragamo took over for an injured Pat Hayden, won six of seven games, and they took them to the Super Bowl. And they were going back and forth. There were plays in that game where, I mean, the Steelers just was, they were old by then. Let's just get it right. This was their last Super Bowl win, that four Super Bowl wins in six years. There were there were plays that happened in that game where, look, Pittsburgh just got blessed. And on the last drive that the Rams had to take the lead again, to at least try and take the lead, Ferragamo threw an interception. That happened Sunday, too, with Garrett Gilbert. He had his turnovers. Well, with the Titans, and I was talking big mess to myself, they were up 24-7 at halftime. And then <laughs> we hold, got to stop saying we. I know I'm a fan. I got to stop saying we. Pittsburgh held on to win 27-24. They kicked all but, I mean, they scored all but just, I mean, just, just a field goal in the second half. So the Titans defense, as much as they stink, tightened up when they needed to. And when I saw Gostowski, Steve, Steven uh, Gostowski run out to uh, attempt that 45-yarder to tie it and send the game to overtime, I just busted out laughing on the inside. Then he missed it, and I busted out laughing out loud. My wife was like, no, he missed it. I'm like, yes, he did. <laughs> she knew why I was laughing. I wasn't rooting for, uh, for the Titans. It's the only game I don't root for Tennessee, okay? Then the next game, the, the Baltimore Ravens. Down 10, come back, and they win. And I have to correct myself. It wasn't the the it was their final legitimate drive that the Ravens had that the Steelers put five linebackers out there and only three def defensive backs in that two-minute drill that the Ravens had against Lamar Jackson. They didn't respect the pass at all. And clearly, I'll say this again: the Ravens offensive coaches did not uh have him throw but then two the run was working we couldn't stop it they ran for a gazillion yards they had 280 yards or something like that it was ridiculous and they almost pulled it off except on fourth down and i think it was three five whatever it was lamar tried to take off again and then he fumbled even though we stopped him anyway his fourth turn of the game and that was it then the next drive, after we punted back to him with only seconds left, he threw seven passes, six if you if you don't include the spike, and he only completed two of those, and that was it. That was the game. And they had a chance even then. So they could have come back and won, period. And the Cowboys game, C.D. Lamb fumbles, fits you know, comes up with the fumble recovery, the interception, and then there was the throwback on the kickoff return. 
Yeah, don't forget that. That happened too. And that got called. They ran that thing all the way up the left sideline, and it got called back because of a holding penalty or block in the black and block in the back. And I think that went all the way to like the ten of Pittsburgh. And not to mention the team, the 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 play that said it all. Third and ten, and Big Ben. I don't know who the defender was. Big Ben gets hit in the face by one of the Dallas defenders. And even on the incompletion, the drive continues. And then the touchdown to Ebron a couple plays later. And then that was all she wrote. And even after that happened, just don't forget, Gilbert drove his team down one last time and we broke up the final pass just like against the Ravens. And there you go. So, I mean, you you could be that team um, that can squeeze out a win. But I've always said this, and I probably need to talk a little more positive, but I'm just real. I don't trust Pittsburgh right now. But this year, I might I might have to say I trust them to a degree. But here's the thing. You can't continue to win like that because I look at teams like the Ravens. And, and look, I'm going to be honest with you. The other team that comes up is just the Patriots up under Tom Brady. So many of those plays could have went the other way. If they miss a kick, if there's not a penalty, I mean, they had their chances to lose in Super Bowls as well. The Rams could have been hoisting the, tro- the trophy. Jared Goff and, uh, and Mac- Sean McVay, they could have gotten one had there been a pass interference. Uh, that, oh, I can't remember the receiver. I think it was Brandon Cook, not Brandon Cooks, but um, – Whoever the receiver was, that they they threw a pass in that that uh, in the end zone is one of the few times that they got that close, and uh, there was no flag, and it could have been a flag. They talk about that play. I, I I'm drawing a blank on the names, but I mean, there's plenty of plays that you can pick out there. The thing could have went either way, but I got a decent offense and a good defense that's kind of bend but don't break with the run. Kind of reminds me. Of the 2015 Denver Broncos. Speaking of orange teams and Peyton Manning, yeah, could they be? Could Pittsburgh be the 2015 Denver Broncos? Sure. But at least Big Ben's arm is still attached. The Michigan Wolverines have been a disappointment, and I need answers. For that, I turn to my boy a longtime Michigan fan and co-host of the Die Hard Den podcast and member of the Detroit Sports Alliance, also the man who finished second in class to yours truly, the salutatorian of the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, Kurt Steele. Kurt, what's up, man? What up, though? What's going on, people? How's everything going? Man, Let's talk about these Wolverines, man. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just me and you. I'm, I'm not even doing this like professional like we just need to talk because i mean i'm a ut fan we riding we kind of have some of the same problems um but we're not talking about ut right now we're talking about michigan wolverines so they're one and two saturday they got the Mm -hmm. the, uh, 13th ranked finally they're playing uh the wisconsin badgers they're favored by four and a half but before this game you kind of figured they'd at least well let's just be real they would have been favored in all of their games and undefeated by now. But what's the problem? Why are we here? 
Um, you look at the Wolverines, uh, some people look at them as, you know, just them being them and, you know, they can just reload. But if you look at the scheme of the team itself, there's a lot of turnover on that squad. Um, right. You know, they have some key pieces that came back. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is out right now. Uh, but that secondary is really young. Uh, one of their top corners uh, opted out of the season due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And they're really only returning like one player from last year's squad in the secondary. Uh, if you look at the linebacking core, they have some pieces, but not a lot of uh, experience. The most experience on that team is the two defensive linemen, Quidi uh, Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. And if you look over on the offensive side, pretty much a whole new uh, offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a new starter at quarterback who's been who's been in the system, but he hasn't been a starter. Uh, and Joe Milton. So right. um, the 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 deepest and the probably the most experienced is the running back core. Uh, you know, with uh, with Zach Charbonnet and uh, and Chris Evans coming back from his one year suspension. Um, so you, you know, you, you don't have a uh, you had a lot of turnover in that squad. I mean, uh, even the starting receivers, the only returning receivers from last year's squad is Ronnie Bell. Right. I mean, that's it. I mean, so there's a lot of turnover on that squad. On that squad. So um, for and but you you grow into that mystique of they're just the Wolverines and they're gonna gonna be good. Um, I don't think that's the case with this group. I don't think they and with COVID and they starting the season later on, I don't think just don't think they had a chance to kind of gel together myself. Right, right. And practice is limited, right? Right. So Big Ten has some very strict um practice uh very protocols strict. with COVID. <laughs> yeah, so um Yeah, you, just you an know, eight game season just, on top of all of that, so and if yeah. you have to so kick a game they, out, they, there's nothing. There's yeah. no makeup games. No makeup games. Um, so I just think it's going to be a down year for the Wolverines. I just think that with the with the roster turnover and the um, lack of uh, playing time together, they're just going to have to. It's going to be a, a down year for the Wolverines. But they they are are um, you know they're going to have a good recruiting class. You know, so I think they're going to be okay. Because right now, I think uh, from the last time I checked, they're sitting at, uh, I want to say 10. Uh, might be confusing them with UT, but they're not they're not that far classes. off as far as, yeah, the recruiting no, classes. No. So Yeah, they have a couple, they have a few five-star, mostly four-stars. Right, I and as usual. In, but, and, and one person's judgment will make somebody, you know, a four-star over a five-star or vice versa. So it's all, it's all ob- objective objectionable ratings when you talk about stars. Agreed. You know what? Staying right there, I think on the offensive side of the ball and talking about recruiting. Matter of fact, Kurt, this isn't the Light Brothers, but this is mm-hmm. this today actually marks one year of me doing podcasting. So uh which is great. Well congratulations. I appreciate man. it. First year in the books. Um but a couple of days afterwards, I actually did my first solo podcast. And it was not long mm-hmm. uh, before, or maybe it was after, actually, the Michigan and Ohio State game from last season. And when I went and looked at the recruiting, obviously, Ohio State is killing it every which way. Yeah, And they're getting mm-hmm. more, you know, five stars than four stars. They're out recruiting 
pretty much a majority of the country this side of Alabama and Clemson. And looking at Michigan, their recruiting classes haven't been bad, but you can actually see the difference, you know, with the team speed and everything. But for me, and last, we don't talk about the Vols a whole lot. We've started to do that a little bit more. And this show, I actually did a comparison Mm -hmm. from our 98 national championship team and my Pittsburgh Steelers being a Steelers fan. You had to have some luck Mm -hmm. fall your way, but the thing was – one of the key things that I've seen, whether college or pro, is always the quarterback position. After right. that first game, or matter of fact, I think I texted you during the first game. I can't remember which. And we were talking about Joe Milton. And I'm like, oh, that you know Minnesota game. I'm like, y'all got a quarterback. And you was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not looking too good right now. Um, and I know that he's – I don't want to call him limited. I'm not sure if it's more so – offensive coordinator if Jim Harbaugh needs to take over or what do what is it as a fan that you see on the surface when it comes to the quarterback position and the reason why I ask that is because going through all the quarterbacks that you guys have had since 2015 once Jim Harbaugh got there Jake Rudock transferred from Iowa Wilton Spate who was a Brady Hoke uh recruit John O'Corn who left for Houston uh, Brandon Peters in, t- in 17, who was supposed to be a good recruit, but ended up leaving uh, and wasn't that effective when he played the few did- times he did play. And then Ole Miss transfer, Shea Patterson, who I think if you really watched, I think the injuries got to him uh, mostly you know, in 2019, just as in 2018. What do you see on the offensive side of the ball as being the problem? Um, this side of quarterback, do you think it's quarterback or is it just more so the offense itself? I think it's the offensive line. We're not, we have a lot of, we have a lot of turnover and then a lot of injuries on the offensive line. Uh, we're not able to run the ball like the traditional Michigan uh, program. I mean, even with the, that the newer spread type of offense, we've always been able to run the ball. Right. And right. this year, we're not, we're not running the ball effectively. Uh, as far as the quarterback position, looking at Joe Milton, um, he's very inexperienced. Um, he's still trying to find his touch on the on passes where, you know, he has a strong arm, he has a cannon, but, you know, he doesn't have that touch yet. So that's something that's still developing in his young career. Um, you say with so, the, I mean, the same thing with the receivers some, as well, right? He's only working with one yeah, guy with yeah. experience with Ronnie Bell. Yeah, that's the only guy you really work with. And we have a lot of young, um, you know, guys that didn't have a lot of playing time or are freshmen. So uh, besides Bell, um, there's not a lot of, um, you know, you got Tariq Black. He's over at Texas now. Yeah, he left, right. And then you right. have uh, um, Peoples Jones is in the NFL, you know, along with a couple other guys. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where there's just not a lot of continuity within that um with that skill position players as on the on the excuse me at the wide receiver position, uh, you know, have a you have a couple of you know promising uh, guys that maybe they will be ready to take a next step next year, or they'll probably improve once they get a rhythm going this year. But it, it'll probably be too late with the schedule being reduced like it is. Yeah, you only have, and I'm looking at it right here in front of me outside of this Saturday. Rutgers, Penn State, and that's surprising. Penn State with no wins. Maryland, Ohio State, and then Big Chit, 10 championship week, which uh, doesn't look like that, that'll happen nah, for Michigan. Michigan. So, 
dang, it'll be probably a wrap. That's a pipe dream right there. Yeah. So, um, I, I just look at the Wolverines overall, um, and I, I look at them. I have to look at them in a broad perspective. You know, not just not just as a fan, but you know, as looking at the uh, team as a whole. I'm like, okay, it's going to be a down year. Um, it just looking at the roster turnover. Um, I think they only had nine starters total return for the Wolverines this year. Both sides of the ball, right? Both sides of the ball. So that's nine total out of twenty-two. They had nine starters return. So that's a lot of turnover on the roster. Mm-hmm. And then with Aiden Hudson, definitely one of the keys on the defensive line. Uh, had a fractured leg in the, in the in the last game, and he had surgery, so he's going to be gone for the rest of the year. The secondary is really, really young. And Ryan, uh, uh, let me talk about uh, and and uh, Brown. He just leaves him on an island. I'm like, you can't do that with this young couple. And you know what? Teach him how to play. And, and on that, that okay. that was my next question about Don Brown's defense. I think he's being a I little bit too it. old school, and you don't have yeah. Jordan Lewis, you know, or someone like that back there. There's no Jabril Peppers that's back there helping out yeah. or in coverage that you can leave these guys on an island. Now, it, I mean, one of the games, well, actually two of the games, you saw exactly what can happen, not just this year, but in the past when you played the best teams, let's just say it like it is, Ohio State, you saw how wide open a lot mm-hmm. of those receivers were. They were just running past those Michigan defensive backs. And those guys were experienced just, you know, speed-wise, there was no comparison. But just on a regular basis, um, I, that was that was going to be actually my next question about Don Brown. If you are mm-hmm. John Harbaugh, I mean J- Jim Harbaugh, do you look mm-hmm. at a replacement? In all honesty, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that he's going to be a, he's a staple of that Michigan defense. Um, I think it, I don't think Don Brown goes until unless Harbaugh goes. That's okay. just my opinion. They they've been working together too long. Um, but I, I get what you're saying with being the stubborn uh, type of uh, coach where you know he wants to keep playing traditional, uh, really uh, man mm-hmm. coverage. But you know he doesn't have they don't have that talent or they haven't developed them yet enough to play that uh, tight man coverage because they got exposed definitely in the Michigan State game uh, and it's, it wasn't good. I mean, actually, if you look at the Minnesota game. Uh, that quarterback over there missing missing throws. I mean, they really saved their exactly. makeup by missing some throws, which surprised um, me. But yeah, because um, yeah, he, he was coming in highly touted uh, that quarterback from the University of Minnesota. Um, but um, you have to able be able to coach these guys up, um, you know. Uh, but it's a really young secondary, safeties included. I mean, you may have one uh, one guy who has some. Uh, some length and, and uh, some, uh, some substantial playing time. Yeah, you have the young heel back there. The brother already graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that secondary is really, really young. I, I think the most experienced right now and probably the most solid uh, core on that on that defense is the linebacking core. Yeah. But that secondary is really young, and they got really got exposed uh the Michigan State game, they really, really got exposed. Co-host of the Die Hard Den podcast, Curtis Steele joining us. So, I mean, last thing, um, as far as Jim Harbaugh, now personally I don't see him getting fired. 
if anything, it'll be one of those mutual agreements for him to step down. As a right. Michigan fan, where do you stand with your head coach? Uh, it's been a disappointing uh, tenure for me. For now, I will say this: he had he's had winning seasons, but he just can't beat the big rivals. Um, you know, until recently, he had decent record against Michigan State. But you look at you know Penn State. You know, he hasn't had a good showing against those guys, and definitely with Ohio State, he has not beaten Ohio State since he's been. Yeah, in Ann Arbor and Ohio State, he's four and five. In Michigan State, he's three and three. One of six, one and six at home against Michigan State and Ohio State. So that's that's bad. Yeah, it's that's very bad. Um, just looking at that, um, I think that I don't. This is last year of his contract, so it may be one of those things where he's not renewed. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't. I don't know who would come in and take the reins. I don't see a big name candidate out there to come in to Michigan take over that school, take over that program. Yeah. You know, and you know, at Michigan we we like Michigan men to coach our to coach our teams. Yeah. I mean that's one of the that's one of the biggest issues that a lot of uh, Michigan fans have with Rich Rodriguez. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So um and he's he's built um a program that, you know, now we're not losers but we just haven't taken that next step. I mean, right. sorry, kind of. I mean, um, so I mean, this is just like a, like I said, this is like a rebuilding year right here to really get that roster turnover and get some experience, and maybe next year, this, you know, if he comes back. Now, one of the rumors is that, um, and some Lions fans want him to take over, take over the Lions to say maybe more suited for the really? NFL college. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's some Lions fans. Um, that are partitioning for the Lions to go out and, and get him uh, because they don't see a future this past this season with the, the current regime of uh, Matt uh, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. So they think they're going to be gone just the way that they're underperforming this year. So and just so everybody but, knows, Kurt is from Michigan, and he is a lifelong Flint. Flint, Michigan, lifelong Lions fan. Just Michigan everything so he would know and that's that's yeah. why he you know that's his podcast the Die Hard Den podcast so but yeah. I, 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 I could see that I, I, I could see that but um, and I guess with the uh, the I Michigan just, thing that was that I expected yeah. more I, I I just don't see him leaving I, I, I don't see him now I can see the, the, the brass at Michigan you know Saying, okay, we'll give you a two-year contract. You know, you don't want a one-year prove-it-to-me deal next year with the option of the, um, with the school option of you know picking up another year for him. Mm -hmm. um, just because of the fact that the name and the cachet he brings to the program. Just to be honest with you, Kurt, yeah. I think that they probably need some fresh blood. Um, and if you if you look around, um, I mean, it's it's. You you have to be a recruiter. It, it's it's and the reason why I say uh, that we're kind of in the same boat. And you would think uh, it was kind of like the opposite thing would happen with Phil Former. At least Phil Former had better assistance. That's the reason why they had the yeah. run that they did. He had David Cutcliffe. He had guys in the back like Randy Sanders and and he had on the defensive side John Chavis. 
um, and I understand the relationship between Harbaugh and, and Don Brown, but uh, I think there's just some things that have passed him by. I think just just me personally, yeah. and I understand them bringing mm-hmm. in Josh Gaddis, you know, last year from Alabama as the you know to be the OC. Mm-hmm. There's just inconsistency all over the place, and they're not getting obviously the recruits that they actually need. And this year, just happening to be his final year in his contract, this COVID crap is just throwing a wrench in a lot of things. I And I agree. I can't remember what I was listening to, but I think that it's true. There was a college football expert that said they don't see too many, uh, too much movement in the offseason because this is kind of a throwaway year. So Yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's an anomaly. It's one of those things where, you know, it's going to be – the 2020 season is going to be is what it is, you know. Right. Um, I, I don't see it. I don't see that, like it being a really cost of concern. Now, I would say my fellow Michigan fans, some of them don't see it that way. They're like, oh, it's time for him to go. But, you know, I have to look at it objectively where you look at the, the 2020 season as a whole and you look at the roster itself. I'm like, you know, I, did, I just didn't see a lot of standout performance uh excuse me, athletes on the Michigan squad that were going to come in yeah. and take the place of those athletes that left last year. Right. We had some big names leave from that program. Mm-hmm. So. And they're playing on the next level for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Kurt. Yeah, people man, Jones that, that, caught, caught that's big. Game and down for the Browns. Yeah. That, uh, yeah hey, D- man. DPJ. I really, <laughs> Donald yeah. People Jones. <laughs> Like Kurt, yeah. I appreciate oh, you yeah. coming on with us, man. And look, we're gonna we're gonna hey, throw man. you a bone, man. My brother hurt his back, he, and, and he's sitting uh, on a, yeah. a hot water bottle right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. You know, I just um, just you know, I ain't no problem talking come and talk to my boy about Michigan for a while. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on, man. You know, check me out. I'm over at the Die Hard Damn Podcast. Um, you can find our podcast on um, all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, you uh, and we're on the YouTube channel. You are on Facebook as well. Uh, that's the Die Damn Podcast. And then you can also check me out on Detroit Lions on the Prowl, which is a YouTube show I do uh, daily at lunchtime. So lunchtime Detroit Lions talk with my man Jim Bordeaux over there and. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks, man. We appreciate you, you uh, coming to check it. us out over there. That, that that's yeah. never a problem. Y'all check him out. And I know yeah. there's some Lions fans that listen, so I appreciate you, Kurt. All right, brother. We take take it easy. All right, and when we come back, I've got a track story from Hades. All right, all right, all right. It's story time with Uncle Mike. Kids, boys and girls, get your blankets, gather around, get comfortable, get those uh, those tree, those trifold blue and red mats that we used to use pencils to poke holes in. Go on, unfold, unfold those, and get comfortable. All right, so I got a track story, um, and I was reminded of this. In talking with Kurt last week, Kurt Steele was just on with us, and um, I told him this story. So, 
getting right to it. I ran track one year in middle school at Ewan Park. I did the hurdles. I did the high jump. I ran the four by one, the four by four. Um, and I wasn't thinking about doing this in high school. So uh, I get to high school and I'm just, that's football is all I wanted to do. Is in middle school, I ran track and played football as well, but I also wrestled. Um, I was just going to, even though they wanted me to do all three in high school, I just wanted to play football. I don't like running just to be running. At least with football, you're running with a ball or after a ball or trying to catch a ball. It, it had a purpose behind it for me. I'm sorry, I just, I, I, don't, I don't love track like that. Anyway, so... For this story to make sense, I have to go back some, let's call it 40, 50 years, probably long, longer than that. 50, yeah, about 50 years or better. And it starts with my grandmother. Now, my grandmother is and was a beautiful woman. And at the time, to my understanding, she was single. There was a man named Coach Sam Smith who took a liking to my grandmother, but she wanted nothing to do with him. All right. She and look, my source is solid. <laughs> so she did not want to have anything to do with this dude. She had three sons and and a daughter, and those three sons played basketball. I'm I come from a basketball family. I'm one of the few that actually played football. Now, because this dude was upset that my grandmother wanted nothing to do with this dude, he would do things like heckling my father and his brothers from the stands all right hate or raid all right so fast forward some years and now i'm in high school this same coach god rest his soul he he passed away a little while ago but um he wanted me he approached me to run track i didn't want to do it and he kept pressing me and pressing me and pressing me throughout football season and then when it came close to track season i finally said okay i'll do it now there were plenty of people that were faster than me i, I wasn't a speedster i was more like a four or five guy but the guys that was on the track team they were you know a lot they were faster than me um which is part of the reason why i didn't want to run it's like y'all don't need me <laughs> you got dudes that can run circles around me but i said okay freshman track no problem so he wanted to get some times so I was like, okay, uh, when and where? And he wanted me to show up to the girls' track meet. I thought that was odd. So I said, like a dummy, okay. So I showed up with my short shorts. And uh, he's like, all right, Neil. That's how he talked. Let's go. All right, get, your, get your time. You're going to run with them during 100. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You want me to run with the girls at an actual track meet? What's wrong? I'm running with girls, man. I mean, I can I just do this by myself? A matter of fact, can we do this another day? You know, where we don't have to have the embarrassment of me running in front of a crowd during the girls track meet. So after some back and forth, I just finally said, all right, man, you know, let's do this. So I go on out to the track and I still remember one of my one of my friend girls. Tika Scrubs, she was like, Mike, what are you doing out here? At least I believe it was Tika. She's like, what are you doing out here? 
I'm like, look, this dude wants, Coach Smith wants some times for me. So I might be, I have to run with y'all. So I got on the end, you know, and pow. I mean, of course, I dust everybody. I mean, no no feminism here or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I'm I faster dude, all right? I'm running against the girls um, that day anyway. So, I mean, I dust them and I run and I just, I, I, I turn around. I just, I, I quit on the spot, man. And like, you can hear as I'm running and I'm trying to ignore everything on my right side because you can hear the crowd and, and they're, they're heckling me. And they're like, Mark, oh, my God, what are you doing? And Go, boy, you better, you better beat them. I mean, it, it was it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. And he did it on purpose. I believe that to this day. He To this day, he did that on purpose. Now, here's the thing. The only comparison that I can give you is, and I'll throw this movie out there to you. Anybody remember Teen Wolf? And Michael J. Fox's character, Scott, I was Scott. And then there was that principal that was always in his stuff, always on his case about nothing. That was Coach Smith. And then my father, or Scott's father, it was because of the grandmother. Because he liked my grandmother. And she wanted nothing to do with him. So he decides, you know, not only to stay in my stay on my case because I knew the backstory about that stuff even back then. I knew, and he would also tell me stuff like, you know, your dad when he was mad, he would say your daddy was no good, your uncles were no good, and it just so happened that they were the best players on the team, and they actually were good. And I'm not saying that just because that's my pops, but he he would say little smart. Hmm, Smart comments like that. Keep it clean. So, yeah, that dude, he did it on purpose. He knew what he was doing. He made me run with the girls. And I did it like a dummy. That's my fault. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, I didn't really want to be on the track team. That wasn't my thing. I told you, I don't like running just to be running. I barely wanted to run for conditioning. Much less to get on a track team that I didn't even want to be on. I just... I don't know why. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. All right. That is it. Look, I want to thank all of y'all for joining in, uh, for tuning in. Excuse me. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, look, that's the story and uh, that's the truth with some cheese on it. Love y'all. Peace out. See you next time.